Welcome to the Electrician's Cop. I'm your host, Jamie Small. And I'm Rob Brass. Today on the show, we've got something gay a little bit different for you. Our guest is not an electrician, but he's one of the greatest players in modern NRL history, Robbie Farah. Robbie's here today to talk about mindset, about focus, and how you can be or do anything you want in your life if you want it badly enough. Let's get started. G'day, Jamie. Hey, Rob. What's the latest, mate? Ah, uh, so much, man. So much is going on. The world, I look outside the four walls of this apartment I live in and the world's crumbling down, but inside here it's building up. There's a lot of good things in my world. Yeah, what about mate. you? Oh, mate, I'm out in the heat of it and it's draining. Every, every conversation has got a COVID-related related topic. Um, and, you know, we're allowed to work, but there's so many sh- restrictions at the moment. The boys are sort of masking up and doing all the right things, but there's a lot of things we can't do. So although they're saying we can go back to work, but can we? It's tricky, right? Yeah, it's really hard. How have you been able to navigate all the rules that they've given well, to you or just I'll doing you, your best? I'll give you a, a, an idea of what we're going through. So we had this job at Rockdale the other day and we went to the job and we thought we could be there. Then one of the boys questioned the fact that, can we or can't we be there? So we rang the police station and asked them, said, can we, this is the scenario, can we be here? And they said, no, you can't be there. So anyway, one of the boys' wives got onto the Service New South Wales website, went through some info and it was sort of, it was a bit conflicting. So eventually she found something that suggested we could be there. We rang back the police station and said, listen, Service New South Wales has said that we can be here based off this, this and this. He goes, okay, stay. (laughs) even they don't even know the rules the blanket response was a a flat out no robbie farrah welcome to the electricians co-op podcast it's great to have you here mate hey boys how you going yeah thanks for coming on rob really good it's timely that you're here i'm excited that you're here to talk about mindset about focus about what it means to stay on top of your game because there's a lot of negativity out there in the world and the whole point of the electricians co-op is to make lives a little bit better, make things a bit easier and to share the burden of things that are happening as a sparky, as a tradie, and certainly as a uh, as a person that's living through these strange times that we're in. How's life in your world, mate? How's is? Are you in a lockdown? Is everything okay in your part of the world? Yeah, a bit like you boys, mate. I'm all right. Um, gets a bit boring staring at the four walls. Um, not really working too much. I was uh, doing some work with the Tigers um, as a trainer and a, a specialist coach. Uh, through the season, but unfortunately, I, I wasn't in the bubble, so I didn't go up to Queensland with the team. So I'm missing being around the footy environment, and and with work at the moment, there's not too much going on. I've I've got an events company, which obviously uh, there aren't really too many events going on, and, and can't really travel. So that's affected affected us, um, you know, quite badly. And um, and obviously, I'm not doing the footy stuff, as I said. So. Uh, at the moment, mates, I'm enjoying just the time at home. But, yeah, I guess grateful um, for all the positive things that I've got in my life. I, I heard, you know, Smalley talking there about how draining it can be with the COVID conversations. And and it really is, you know, you, you find yourself, you know, seeing it on the news and reading about it on social media and, and everyone that you bump into wants to talk about it. And uh, I've made a conscious effort just to sort of uh, try and block it out because, um, it does bring you down and it does become very draining and, and you just got to try and focus on uh, all the positives that we've got at the moment and, and just keep chipping away. Yeah, nice one. Well said, well said. It's easy to be out there saying 
remain positive, concentrate on all of those good things. But what you've got to do is act on that. Mm. You've really got to do things that bring you a little bit of joy and take you away from the negativity of the media and the press and things like that. I've, I got to the end of an, <laughs> I got to the end of an audio book this morning. I got up early, got up at five o'clock in the morning. I went for my morning walk cause I had a seven o'clock appointment. So I had to get my work in and work out in before then. Cause it's back to back zooms until midday. Right. So I got to the end of the audio book at the, at the turnaround point of where I was. And I thought, ah, oh, I should have known I was at the end of the book. I, cause this, I'd listened to it twice this week and I thought oh, I'll just listen to some music. And I, I haven't listened to music for like ages and ages. And it was like such a novelty, just 45 minute walk back, just listening to some tunes I loved. And I thought COVID lockdown, what the hell? Just like life is good. If you stay in your own little bubble and don't worry about everyone else's. I think it's important to escape it as much as you can through music, medica- meditation. I'm saunering a lot, so I try and get away with, it, away with it there. But I think the important thing is everyone wants to talk about it, like you said, Robbie, but you need to be really good at changing the topic. So, yeah, acknowledge that they want to talk about it, but, you know, go on to something else because it can totally take over your life. And deep down, you know, it's it's easy for that to happen, but you just can't allow that to happen. Yeah, absolutely. Robbie, have you got some some points on that, man, some feedback? It's just uh, good to riff on a conversation here and share that with the audience as well. Yeah, exactly. I think, um, as Smalley said, it's, it's hard to escape it. You sort of acknowledge it when people you know want to talk about it, but um, at the same time, uh, you just try and change the subject or, or move on from things because it, it does wear you down. So uh, on the same, um, you know, I think with, with COVID, um, whilst a lot of people are struggling financially, you know, businesses are going under and, there's a lot of you know bad things happening, uh, as you mentioned. There's a lot of you know, good things as well. You know, you, you get to catch up with people uh, a lot. Obviously, a lot more. You, you're going for walks. You see kids in the park riding their bikes, and um, I find it's uh, it's allowed everyone to enjoy life a little bit more at a slower pace, and and really appreciate all the simple things that uh, sometimes in life we take for granted. Mm. Yeah, well, so I suppose the beginning of the first lockdown, everyone was whinging. Well, just before the first lockdown, you hear everyone whinging there at work too much and they got an opportunity to be at home for two weeks and most people were paid, some people weren't, but and they're still whinging. I'm just so going to whinge anyway. you damned if you don't. <laughs> uh, and I know what you're saying, Rob, but there are so many positives to take out of this. Um, seeing kids in the street, you know, running around and, you know, like, I, was, I don't even know if they can run around the yard uh, at the front or whatever, but even running around the yards there gives them an opportunity to be homeschooled, which is a, a lot of parents don't have the opportunity to do that. So they get to spend more time with their children. So I think, like you said, Rob, there's a lot of positives to take out of it. And rather than focusing on the negative, you know, like I always say, focus on the negative and you get more negative things in your life, focus on the positive and more positive things will come about in your life. So well, one thing that happened to me with the homeschooling is the, the daughter brings out the year nine mathematics and the algebra and it comes out and I'm like, I haven't seen this since, well, I was in year nine, right? And I happen to really like mathematics and stuff. And I, I look at the textbook and scratch my head and I Google the thing while she's not looking and try and figure it out. And I really have had some time to spend with her to help her navigate those challenges because in a classroom, typically the teacher puts the problem up on the board. They give them a couple of examples. They work through a few problems and give them a worksheet and then off you go yeah. sort of thing. And she doesn't have the opportunity to really understand those things and get to it at its depth. And, you know, something that was uh, supposed to be a 15 minute lesson for her turns into an hour and a half of her actually being properly engaged. And by the end of it, her actually understanding the concepts and having it embedded in the next day, me looking at it saying, do you remember how to do that again? Cause have you like data dumped the whole thing? Cause yeah. if you don't use it, you don't 
need it, right? So she's like, no, no, I've got it. And she explained it all back to me and stuff yeah. like that. So that's been a real, the homeschool yeah, side of it totally. has been really good actually well, for I've me. I've been a um, kid in year two and year four and, mate, I'm rereading the year two questions three or four times <laughs> just trying to understand what they're saying. Yeah. Why do so, you get to the year nine I'm, ones, I'm mate? I'm supposed it's to be his hero and he's like, Dad, fuck. Yeah, like, <laughs> too many head knocks. What do you reckon, Rob? <laughs> <laughs> mate, you weren't the smartest front rower. So <laughs> Robbie, do you have kids? I don't, mate. I don't say so no homeschool. Not even knows of. Uh, I was going to say, do you want one of mine? But I can't bring him around to give to you. Mate, you can't, mate. I've got I've got ten nieces and nephews, so not not um, some not so young anymore. But um, yeah, one of them's in in year twelve at the moment. So yeah, that's a challenge uh, for my sister. Um, obviously, having him trying to go through his HSC at the moment. I think trials are starting um, this week or next week. So. Uh, that's going to be quite challenging. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's quite difficult, as you said, for all the parents out there trying to homeschool uh, kids of all ages, whether it's uh, smallly trying to you know, read two uh, year two questions. To his, to his, I'm not to joking his, either. I swear to God, I'm not joking. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and spelling, like I get it right. Like, you got to write like this. So I'm actually Googling how to spell it. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, but I'm like you, mate. I, I, uh, I look at some of the stuff. Like, oh, obviously... Uh, I enjoyed school. I, I did quite well at school, but I look back at some of the questions like, you know, the niece and nephews come home with some homework. And um, the other day uh, there was, there was some long division. They were trying to do some long division. I wouldn't even know how to do long division. I don't even know what that is. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't even know how to do it. I was like, it just made me feel so stupid. <laughs> I even, I even had a question saying, dad, do you even use this in real life? No, half the shit you don't, nah. honestly. I said yes. <laughs> I said yes. And I gave her an example. I gave her the pilot aviation oh. example and she's like, but I'm never going to be a pilot. So what do I need to learn it? And I'm like, well, yes, you have to. <laughs> I actually said to my wife the other day, let's give the kids the opportunity to learn about two subjects they want to learn about rather than just teaching all the crap that they learn at school. So that's another rabbit hole we can go down. But now that you're finished playing ro uh, footy, Rob, you know, what do you do to stay motivated? And do you listen to stuff? Do you read? What do you do? Do you meditate? What do you do? Yeah, I've always um, been really big on the, the mental aspect of life. Uh, even through footy, I found that was a, you know, a really uh, big thing for me in terms of my preparation. Um, I think, yeah, most footy players you know, train the same way. You, you lift the same weights. You do the same um, you know, fitness in pre-season. Uh, but for me, the, the mental aspect is a point of difference. So yeah, meditation was something I, I really enjoy. You know, um, you know, I heard you speak before about you, you attract your thoughts. Um, if you think negative, you're going to attract negative things in your life. So for me, it was always about positive affirmations, whether that was, a, you know, close my eyes for five minutes and, and you know, picture myself you know, playing well on the weekend and might be going back and watching um, some highlights of myself when I played well because, you know, as I said, you, you, you're constantly reinforcing those positive messages in your mind. Um, for, for me, that was a, a big aspect of, of something I tried to do. Um, yeah, post-footy, obviously, it's um, a transition out of footy is always a challenge. Um, and for me, you know, I was, I'm quite fortunate in the fact that, you know, I, um, I had a role at the Tigers afterwards, uh, as I said, in a part-time role. I had a business set up. So, But the, the hardest thing for me, and I guess a lot of athletes go through it, is... Um, is finding your purpose um, and that motivation because you know the my whole my whole life's purpose was was to play footy. Uh, it was a dream from when I was a child. It was I was just obsessed. I, I wasn't going to take no for an answer. I wasn't going to let anything stop me. It was a reason I got out of bed every morning. And then all of a sudden, like, and you don't you don't phase yourself out of that. All of a sudden, you play your last game and it's over. You're done. Um, and it's 
and you're not done at 60 or 65 years of age. Mm. You go and enjoy your, your, your There's life. a lot of life left over, isn't yeah, there? A lot of life left, you know, and you're, you're sort of 30, 35 years old and you wake up one morning and it's all over and you think to yourself, shit, what am I going to do next? Now, what, what's, you know, what's going to get me out of bed in the morning? What's my, my drive every day? And, and to be honest, that's something I've sort of um, struggled with at times um, because, um, you know, as I said, whilst, uh, you know, financially and all those things, um, you know, I haven't been sort of uh, found myself in a sort of desperate situation where, shit, where am I going to earn my next paycheck? Uh, I've always been very goal-driven, um, you know, through my footy career. You, you know, you, you set yourself a goal, whether it's that week, you know, you want to win on the weekend, you set yourself yearly goals on what you want to achieve. And I've always been a very goal-driven person. All of a sudden, um, as I said, you find yourself sort of floating around a little bit um, without really any any sort of goals to achieve. So uh, that's something I've sort of tried to do. I've tried to set myself sort of goals away from footy since I've retired, um, you know, little things that I, I sort of want to achieve because um, otherwise you find yourself sort of just sort of floating away. Mm. You know, weeks go by and days go by and you're sort of doing nothing, especially during COVID. Like that's that's the hardest thing at the moment. As I said, I've had my, my business, but we're not really operating at the moment. And um, at the moment with COVID, um, you just, you're stuck at home and and so many people are probably going through it. Um, work, you know, with added pressure of, as I said, children, financial pressures and all those things. So the mental health aspect of, of COVID and the effect it's having on people's, you know, um, it's probably, um, I think, I think it's a bit <coughs> underestimated, to be honest, the effect it's having on people. Oh, totally. And I've always said my, for me to be happy, I need to be progressing. And it's really hard to be, be progressing now because work's slow. Yeah. You know, there's only so many things you can do after work. So I suppose for me, you know, I, I was, I've been down in the dumps a little bit myself, but I suppose to pull yourself out, you put your affirmations in your ears and you sort of get some motivational stuff on um, YouTube or whatever it might be. And I've always said um, the media is a weapon and can be used for good or for bad. And I believe by listening to the news all day, every day, radio all day, every day, it has a negative impact on your life. It's good to be aware, in my opinion, that it's going on. But beyond that, you don't need to be brainwashed with everything that's going on um, every minute of the day. So be aware of it and just put some positive stuff in your ears and, you know, it reflects on other people, you know. I think people know that if you're operating at a high frequency, people want to be around you and it actually um, reflects onto them as well. I think you touched on something that's really important. I'd love to hear your thoughts on it, gentlemen, is that pre, pre-COVID, you know, you talk about pre-footy, post-footy, all of those sorts of things. But pre-COVID, we were all so busy. You know, my businesses were absolutely thriving. Yours was as well. And I'm sure your events company was doing well, Robbie. And then you're busy with the Tigers and footy and all those sorts of things that are going on. But now this COVID thing has happened. It's all forced us to really slow down. And one of the things that happens when you slow down is you have to be a little bit reflective and everybody wears a mask, right? You've all heard of these things before in personal development. You know, I wear a mask at work and I'm one way at work. I'm one way with my mates and I'm one way with the women around me and I'm one way with myself when I'm by myself. But when you're forced to slow down and you're forced to take stock of where you are, I think you have a little bit of self-discovery as well. And a lot of people don't spend very much time in self-discovery. That's why they have a hard time being on their own and being isolated and being away from the normal things that are out there. But I think that adversity can be your opportunity in that circumstance as well. And when you have adversity like this, I think it gives you the opportunity to reflect on 
all of the mistakes you've made and all of the wins that you've had and look forward to the future. And to Robbie's point about setting goals and setting things that excite you in the future and what am I going to aim at? What can I do today to move myself closer to those targets and stuff like that? So I think adversity can be your opportunity as well, but I also think a lot of the adversity comes from within you create a lot of that yourself and it's all about perspective and your view of the world as well at the same time. Yeah, what do you guys think about that? I totally agree with that. It's really well said, Rob. And um, what are you, Rob? Yeah, no, I totally agree, mate. I think you're, you're definitely spot on there. And as you said, I think you, you learn uh, so much through adversity um, and uh, some you know, great life lessons you know, learned uh, through your toughest times. Um, I know that was for me through, through footy and um, I'm sure for you guys through, through business and for everyone now through the situation we find ourselves in um, with the current state of the world. Hey, Rob, I wanted to ask you, you know, back when you are playing footy, uh, <laughs> yeah. no, I'm not, not going to be a smart ass, but back when you are playing footy, you know, you used to run out in front of, say, 80,000 people and that, that rush you used to get of that energy of running out in front of so many people. How do you get that same rush now that you're retired? Or can you? You, you, don't, don't, yeah. you don't, yeah. Yeah, you don't. And, and to be honest, I've, I've thought about that so many times. Um, you know, that I'll never have that feeling again. Uh, probably the day I have a, a kid, if I have a kid one day, it'll probably be, you know, the similar sort of rush and, um, you know, similar sort of, I guess, excitement in your life. But uh, for me, those moments where um, you reflect on and you think, geez, I'm, I'm never going to have, you know, winning, winning a grand final um, at a sold-out, you know, Haynes Stadium or, mm-hmm. um, you know, representing New South Wales, running out at Suncorp or, or at, at Homebush as well, um, there's no greater feeling in the world um, as an athlete and uh, for, for someone that's never had the opportunity in their life to do that, it's very hard to put into words the feeling and the emotions that go through you uh, when you do that, especially when you, when you, you have success at that level. Um, that feeling in the sheds after the game when, you know, everyone says, I'll oh, go to war. It's, not, it's obviously no uh, comparison to war, but when you go into battle with, you know, 17 guys that you've, you've busted your ass with, um, you know, day in, day out in the summer and you go through all the hard times together and then you have that success, um, you know, the, the, the final success where you, you achieve what you set out to achieve in front of all those people and you bring happiness to so many of your fans and people around the world. Yeah, there's no, there's no feeling like it, mate. So unfortunately I've, uh, or, or fortunately I got to experience those times and memories because as I said, I'm quite lucky that, um, yeah, not many people get to, um, get to experience that. But unfortunately I don't think anything's going to uh, sort of replicate that moving forward. It's funny. I often ask a lot of my mates that have retired that exact same question and their answer is always very, very similar. So <laughs> boys, do you, do you ever uh, take yourself back there and, and meditate on that feeling? Cause for, for me, one of the, one of the things that I have as a, as a civvy and not being in the military anymore is I have no more fear or trepidation of anything. Like I'm, you know, I've just been on the receiving end of all sorts of scary stuff. But the thing that was the most scary would be parachuting at nighttime. And often I would um, take myself to that place in a meditation where I could visualize myself going back there, going through the process of getting dressed, getting on the aircraft at nighttime. It's freezing cold. The plane tack flying into a target and you're as airsick as hell. You just want to get out of the bloody thing. And the, the door opens up and it's freezing cold outside. And you're like, you just want to stay in there. You want to get out. I don't know what I want to do. I'm sick. I want to get there. And 
they stand you up, you do your equipment check, you walk to the edge of the door. And I can get myself there pretty easily because it's such a visceral experience. And what you're describing there, Robbie, is so visceral. It's the energy of the crowd coming at you. It's you running down the down the tunnel onto the pitch, getting ready to go. The, the whistle goes. I think you can get yourself back there to those moments in your life. And it's incredibly rewarding to do that for yourself and to take yourself there in a meditation to come out of that and go, man, I've achieved some cool stuff in my life. This is like really, really cool stuff. But I can get there with the fear and I can get to the point where I'm nearly like pissing my pants. Anyone tells you that they're jumping out of a plane and they're not scared are lying to you. I I remember being so scared so many times and just feeling so unbelievably out of control because someone else is flying the plane to a target at nighttime and I'm about to get out of this bloody thing. Am I going to break my neck when I get on the ground? There's so many things you just can't control and you just go with it. There's nothing you can do. Mm -hmm. It's just one of those times in your life where you just ride that roller coaster and it's like you're riding a dragon that's just bucking you, man, and eventually you get bucked off the thing and uh, it's such a a cool experience. You can't find something like that that you can do for the rest of your life, I'm sure. Well, you can go back you, there, you right, in your mind. Game guys there, like Tony Hawk's, get, like, how old is he, like 50, still skating and that, you know, but um, it's a shame, you know, you can't, you're not long, young for the rest of your, your whole life, you know, so it's disappointing that you can't have that forever, Robbie, but obviously it's a massive achievement that you've had it because a lot of people haven't had that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Do, you, do you ever take yourself back there, Robbie? Oh, I think it's obviously a bit... But he's had a few beers at the pub, he likes to take, <laughs> take everyone back there. Yeah, I think the difference, the difference uh, with... With uh, what I did was, um, you know, go back and watch old tapes. So, oh yeah, of course, um, yeah. You know, there's an old game on TV, or you throw in a, a DVD or something of of uh, yeah the grand final or one of your your best moments, and and you can sort of reminisce and take yourself back there. And um, you know, I, I you know when I finished footy, everyone sort of you know, the the main question I always got was, oh, do you miss it? And the honest answer was no, I didn't because I was quite content and I was quite fortunate that I got to retire on my terms. Um, in the end, you know my Back end of my career, um, had a few challenges, but uh, to finish up at the Tigers and go back there and and uh, finish on a on a good note was was something I was really content with. So when I walked away, I was I was quite happy, and I I haven't missed footy at all up until um, as I said this year I was I was back working with the club, um, I was around that environment, and it was the first time I went back to Leichhardt Oval, and I was in the sheds. Uh, they were playing a trial match. The boys were playing a trial match. And I was back in the sheds at Leichhardt and the boys were getting ready. And that was the first time I had the butterflies in my stomach. I, thought, <laughs> I, wish, I'm, I wish I was playing today. Damn. I remember you used uh, to love the place, showers at Leichhardt yeah, as well, didn't place, you? Yeah, that place was so good. I love that place so much, you know. Yeah, yeah. And I, I didn't miss footy anywhere else. But being back there at that ground, and, and I wasn't there at any stage last year because we COVID and I wasn't working with the club last year. Uh, you weren't allowed. You weren't even allowed to go down because it was, there were no, no crowds and, and whatever. And, so it was the first time I'd actually been back at that ground since my last game. And that was the only time I ever had those butterflies again in my stomach. And um, yeah, it just took me back, took me back to those, those memories I had there and um, was, it was pretty unreal. And, and like you said, mate, I'm, I can't complain. I'm, I'm fortunate enough that I got to experience some great things in my career, a lot luckier than a lot of other guys that have you know, played footy. So I just got to be grateful for, for um, you know, all the good times I had. Nice one. Well said. All right, let's take a little break. Hey 
there, Rob Russ here. If this is your first time here at the Electricians Co-op, welcome. It's great to have you here and feel back for more. Welcome back. Thank you for your loyalty. Now, if you like what you hear on today's show, make sure you share this podcast with your mates who are electricians. Jamie, myself, and Robbie, we want to reach as many people as we can with the Electricians Co-op, and we want to help more people to break through to the next level in their career, their business, and their life. All right, Robbie, let's talk a little bit more about your career as a player. You kind of alluded there before about wanting to be a pro footy player, a pro athlete ever since you were a little kid. Is that all you ever wanted to do when you were little? Yeah, pretty much. I, uh, I was always a real sporty kid. Uh, grew up uh, youngest of four boys. Um, so I was always playing, you know, footy in the street with my brothers, cricket in the driveway. Uh, actually, first first sport I I dreamt of growing up to play was tennis. I loved tennis as a kid. I was I used to get tennis coaching and things like that. And then at, uh, I think at age of nine, my my best mate at school, uh, yeah, their, their local footy team on the weekend, they they were short of numbers, and he asked me to come down for a game. And uh, that's it. That's how it started, you know. And I sort of took to footy a bit more because of that team environment. You know, I got to play on the weekend with my friends, and and tennis was a an individual sport. So I loved loved footy from a young age. Um, played played footy, um, as I said, played cricket, and it was just a, a dream growing up uh, to one day play in the NRL. It was a bit far fetched as a kid because um, you know I, I never never really came from a you know, footballing family, and never no, none of my brothers took it seriously. Um, there were never really a, there was never really a pathway for me like through school. My, like my school footy was was pretty average. Like we didn't didn't really have a footy program there. Uh, it was always about education. My um, obviously my my parents were really big on education and uh, sort of wanted to push me in that direction. But for me, it was it was just an obsession that I wanted to grow up and play footy. And um, yeah, so I was I was quite fortunate that I, I got to live out my dream. I guess nice one. You touched on before about you know all the little things that you do and all the mental, all the affirmations and all that sort of stuff. Would you, would you say that was the reason where you got to where you got? Was that the difference? Yeah. Yeah, hundred percent, mate. I um from a very young age, um, you know, I, I remember I, I set myself a goal that I wanted to play NRL as a teenager, um, and I used to write it up on um, my mirror in my in my bedroom. Or uh, I remember when I when I got my first car, you know, I got a you know a, a post-it note and I stuck it on my dashboard, um, and I used to just read it every day. Obviously, it's popping up in your mind every day, and you're reinforcing that in your mind. Um, that that's what you're going to do. And um, I remember as a kid, um, you know, my mates would get in my car and laugh at me and they'd, mm. you know, my brother would laugh at me. And, uh, but that was just, um, as I said, that was something in my mind that uh, I wanted to achieve and I wasn't going to take no for an answer or let anyone stop me. So um, there was a lot of sacrifices looking back now, a lot of sacrifices I made as a, as a young boy. Um, you know, you get to that age where, you, know, you are a teenager and, and all of a sudden uh, you, you know, you, you're going out on weekends and alcohol's involved and, you know, you're chasing girls and, and all those sort of distractions come into your life. And um, I saw a lot of my friends go down, go down one path and I, and I went down the other path where, you know, I wanted to make sure that um, there was no distractions or anything that was going to stop, stop me from achieving my goal. And, you know, I, I remember, you know, not going to, um, certain you know, birthday parties or, or things with your friends or after school hanging out down the, you know, down the local shops with your mates after school because I want to go to footy training or I want to go down the park and 
and just kick balls and, and get my, get myself better and improve. And um, I was, I was a quite determined kid. I think, you know, obviously I, I played a bit of footy with Smalley and I'm sure he'll tell you um, I was a pretty, um, pretty competitive little bastard. And, um, and that, that was just the way I was as a kid, you know, it was the way I was growing up. And um, if, if you sort of tell me I, I couldn't achieve something, couldn't do something, I'd, I'd try and prove you wrong. Nice one. Well, that's the thing. A lot of people don't actually see the stuff behind the scenes. They see you running out for New South Wales or for a grand final and go, oh, he's just talented. But that is just one aspect of it, isn't it, Rob? You know, like there's so many other things that go into talent's one part of it, but there's hard work. There's all the, the stretching and the icing. And I remember when we had dinner at your place not long ago and I said, yeah, what's the one thing you don't miss about footy? And it was the icing and the stretching. So that's all the things that these professional athletes do behind the scenes that you just assume they don't do. And I suppose it's the same thing with business because the guy that's doing really well isn't just coming home and sitting on the lounge. He's, you know, he's getting his invoices out. You know, he's reading, he's learning, he's he's speaking to his mentors. So it translates into business life as well. So it's all those little things you do behind the scenes. Yeah, it definitely is. And obviously um, – you know, the older I got, um, and you got to look up, you start looking after your body a bit more. That you know, it, it does, it consumes your life. It's a it's a 24-7 you know, job being an athlete and um your diet, your sleep, your rehab, your stretching, your icing, all those things come into play. And um, as you said, everyone sees the 80 minutes on the weekend, but they don't see the work you go through through the week to get yourself ready to play um at your best on on the weekend. And um, you know, for me, uh, in, injuries are a uh, major thing you know when I was 20 years old I came at a crossroad in a crossroads in my career where you know I had a knee reconstruction and I was off contract the year after and you know I really had to knuckle down and, and get my knee right and uh, put in that hard work to come back and um, if I didn't do that at that age um, then I probably wouldn't have had a career you know I probably would have been one of those guys that that you know, played you know half a dozen NRL games or a dozen games and then I would have been straight out the back door but um, it's all the it is all the hard work and uh, you put in and, and all the things that go into it. And I've seen so many talented guys fail, you know, talent, talent is the most overrated thing in the world. If you ask me, um, you know, and, and I get asked a lot of questions by parents, you know, you go down to, um, you know, park footy uh, coaching clinics and things like that. And, and parents come up to you and they say, oh, you know, my son wants to play in our real, what, what advice would you give him? And I, I say, I know, I know it's going to sound boring. I said, but it all comes down to hard work. Uh, and and it's and it's the honest answer you know if, if you you got to make sacrifices uh you got to be willing to put in the hard work there's going to be times where you feel like shit you don't want to get up and train uh, but you got to make yourself do it you got to make yourself you got to get comfortable feeling uncomfortable and um you know and if, and if you live if you live your life that way whether it's footy whether it's business whether it, you know whatever it may be um yeah you know, we we're talking before about education and um you know, the HSC and you get you get a number at the end of the day on a piece of paper that gives you a score. But in my opinion, that score is rubbish because if you want to achieve something in life, if you want to be successful, you don't need a, a number on a piece mm, of paper okay. whether you can do that or not. So um and that's and that's the same with footy, you know, it comes down to hard work. Well I suppose I played with you for a number of years at the Tigers, Robin. <laughs> All those nights that you were going to parties and all that, I was. <laughs> I didn't miss one. I didn't miss one drink. I didn't stretch. I played with injury, but and I still went out after the games. So. Oh no, don't worry. No, no, no. I, I used to go out too, but you have to pick your moments, I guess. But, uh, you know, I, I love a good time too. Mate. But, um, I love it. Yeah, I think it's it's as you said, it's uh, 
it's finding the right time to do that. Yeah. Um, enjoy the wins. We had, we had some good good wins and and uh, those <laughs> nights after the games were always fun. But uh, then you get back to work on the Monday. You didn't hear me before, and we're talking about Leichhardt. You were the first one in the showers, and I was the last one out. Tell us a bit about that. <laughs> well, mate, you used to shower with your undies on. Can you tell us about why? why? Oh, no, I did it. Why were you covering up? <laughs> He'd always hide in the corner wearing his undies. So. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure if I want to hear these locker room stories. <laughs> hey, Robbie, when I was uh, just doing a little bit of prep for this interview, I was writing some questions, and I thought, what question could I ask uh, – successful football player that would translate across to electricians and how would that translate across in business? And what I thought one thing that is the same in sport that is the same in business is the competition is fierce. It's really fierce to hold your position as a football player. It's really, really difficult to hold your position as a tradesman, as an electrician, whether you're employed as an employee or whether you own a business, it's hard to hold your ground in this place in an ultra competitive market. I'd love to know how you handled the competitive nature of fighting for your position every week and then fighting for your contracts and then fighting for the actual game. Was there, was there some one common thing there that you did all the time or did you just take one moment at, at, at a time and one game at a time? How did you handle that? Yeah, for me, as I mentioned before, I was, I was quite competitive. Um, so if anything, I think it brought out the best in me and, and there were many times um, through my career I remember – um, and I still have a laugh, a laugh about it these days. And um, so when I was playing um, in the local Balmain comp, I was playing for Leichhardt Wanderers and they had an under 14 development side that they picked and I missed out. Um, and Smalley would know who I'm talking about. The coach was Dave Kelly. And Dave, Dave Kelly uh, left me out of the squad as a 14 year old and he picked a hooker called Simon Shin. And I still remember his name to this day because I was so filthy and I thought, how has he picked this bloke in front of me? And I'll, and I just took it apart. So I'll, I'll prove this. I'll prove this. Bloke, so bloke wrong. <laughs> yeah, this bloke wrong. And um, and I just had that name in my head for for years afterwards. And I made. I went on and made, yeah, Harold Matson and SG Born Flegan. And then I made, I think it was Fleg or SG Ball. Then I was I was a hooker there, obviously. And then they brought in a another hooker from the country and another another signing, another hooker from Newcastle. I thought to myself. Oh, you know, why are they going and signing other hookers? Like, don't they? Don't they trust me? Don't they think I'm good enough? And I still remember the first day those two hookers come down to training, and we were, do, we were training down Leichhardt Oval Number Two, Smalley, and uh, we we lined up for for fitness for conditioning. And I remember I said I said I'm going to go and place myself right next to these two blokes, and I'm just going to run them into the ground. <laughs> and, and I did. I, I I just took it. I just stared the challenge straight in the face. And I remember, you know, we lined up on the on the try line about to do shuttles or whatever we were doing, and I just went and placed myself next to him. And I just gritted my teeth and I said, "Let's go." I said, "Let's let's see if you boys can come with me." And um, and I guess that's that's just the mentality I had, you know. Anytime, um, you know, I was challenged. Anytime uh, people questioned me, uh, it was the same, you know, with Origin. I remember before I played Origin, you know, there were question marks about my toughness. I was always seen as a um, and as, as an attacking dummy half, you know, a skillful player, but I guess I was never really renowned for my defence and there was always question marks about that. So I thought, okay, well, I have to go prove myself again and I'd work on my de- defence every day with, you know, Royce Simmons, who was the assistant coach at the Tigers. I'd, I'd stay back after training and I'd just hit the tackle bag, you know, 24, 30 times uh, every day after training just to, to improve my defence and 
uh, to prove people wrong. And yeah, whatever challenge it may be, I, I guess you just got to stare it in the face and and um, and try and get through it. I love it. So I know you touched on, but like in the beginning, you know, we're a bit self conscious about. Um, you know, DK bringing other hookers down from the country and that. Was there a point there in your career when you were in your comfort zone that you didn't really care about who was there? You were that confident that the number nine jersey was yours and it wasn't until later in your career maybe when you were at South and you had Damien Cook and that you you turned back and became a little bit like you were that 14-year-old, a little bit insecure about your position? Oh, yeah, I was, I was always quite confident in my ability. <clears throat> um, I think when I... Um, Obviously, it came back, as I said, from my area construction and um, I became the starting hooker in, in 2005 and obviously we went on to win the, the grand final in 05 and then you know, sort of after that, I, I sort of cemented myself in, in, the, you know, in the side and um, I think, and then, and then you, know, one, you know, once, once you're there, I think I remember I, remember I got injured, uh, I think in, I can't remember when it was, I got injured and came straight back from here. And normally, normally if you're not an established first grader, you get injured and then once you're back from injury, you might have to play a game or two in reserve grade to get your fitness back and then before you get picked in first grade. I remember I got injured and then the first week I got back from injury, I was straight back in the first grade side and I thought, okay, well, I've made it now. Like, <laughs> you're, you're, nice. you're sort of straight back in. You don't have to go and you know, earn your stripes back in reserve grade. And um, But, yeah, back on that positive affirmation stuff we were talking about before, you know, um, I, I, I used to go out on the field from a very young age you know, 17, 18, and I used to tell myself you know, in my head, I said, I'm, you know, I'm the best player on the field today. Um, no, like, and, I, and it might sound cocky or arrogant or, or whatever, but, um, and no disrespect to, you know, anyone I'd played against or, or anything, but that was just the mentality I had. And I think, I think that's the mentality you almost got to have. Um, I agree, yeah. If you, don't, if you don't think that of yourself, then you've already lost the battle. Um, and I remember there was a time in my career where, uh, I think it was after we'd won Origin in 2014, and a journo, you know, the journos asked me afterwards. They said, "Oh, because uh, there was always always that <coughs> rivalry between myself and, and Cameron Smith um, through Origin." And um, a journo asked me, he "said Oh, do you do you think you're better than Cameron Smith or something along those lines?" And I said, "Well, I don't think anybody's better than me." I said, "If I had that mentality, I said I've already lost. If I thought Cameron Smith was better than me, he'd outplay me every time." Mm. So when I go onto the footy field, I think I'm the best, and and that's the way I try and play. I said, "You know," and and that's the mentality I have. And then they turned it around the next day, and the headline was, "Oh, Tara thinks he's better than Smith." <laughs> oh, of course, of course. <laughs> and they do what they do, but um, but that was the mentality I had through my career. You know, I used to in my head tell myself that, you know, I'm going to be the best player on the field today. I'm going to win us a game. Um, and I think that's, that's the, that's just the drive I had. That's just the drive I had. Yeah. Hey Robert, you just um, reminded me of something just as you were saying that I remember back in, I think it was like 2005, we had a first grade trial against Canberra Raiders at, <laughs> at Campbelltown. And I thought I had a pretty good game score to try. And, you know, I thought I was, I thought I was going pretty well. Anyway, <laughs> We went out there the night after or the night that night. Anyway, I was, you know, it was probably eight o'clock in the morning and I get a phone call. You rem- I don't know if you remember this, but and he goes, yeah, g'day, Jamie. It's Danny Widler from, you know, Channel 9 News or whatever it was. I just want to have a, ask you a few questions about the game yesterday. And I've woken up half still cut. <laughs> and I was like, oh, fuck, we must have played all right. And he, anyway, they've gone and asked me a few questions, you know, what's stuff like, 
Oh, Jamie, uh, there's talk around the club that you're the new enforcer of the West Tigers. How do you feel about that? So I've answered all these questions and suddenly I hear Robbie and Jeff Lima laughing in the background. <laughs> it was them on the oh, phone behind you. My biggest stitch-up ever. Wow, I'd never forget that. was so embarrassing. Well, well played, mate. Well played. Well played. Let him have it. Good one. Hey, Robbie, the, the road to paradise and the road to winning begins in hell. I'm sure you've heard that saying before. And one of the things that I do know about being in business and being in small business and just working for myself, which is, again, it translates over to athletes as well, which is every day as a business owner, you've got to get up and you've just got to grind your teeth and you've got to get going and you've got to push forward and you've got to keep going. And same as an employee, if you're working for somebody else and you've got bills to pay, you've got to make things happen, the road to paradise and what you want begins in hell and you've got to transition through those places to do that. Football is a little bit different in that sense. It's the same thing, but it's a longer road because you start the season with these aspirations and all of these goals and these dreams and these hopes and then you've got to go through all of that to get to the other side of it. Then the year ends and then you go right back to square one and you go again like that. How did you handle that year in and year out over a long career? That's that's a tough thing to do in the profession that you chose. Yeah, it is. Um, and it does have its challenges, especially when, um, you know, you go through uh, years on end without success. Uh, obviously, with the, the Tigers, I, you know, I was there for 14 odd years and we won the grand final in 2005. And then uh, we didn't get back into the finals until 2010 and 11. And then uh, we fell just short of a, another grand final. And then you know, after that, there was a real barren period there. So um, it does become challenging. As you said, it's, um, it comes with a lot of challenges through the career, you know, week to week where, um, you know, you might go seven or eight games without winning. Um, and especially as a, as a leader, we, I, was, I was a captain through a lot of those um, times there where, um, you know, you've got to try and keep your head up and keep the boys motivated and you know, look to the positives and, and try to turn things around. And um, I think the biggest, the biggest thing, um, you know, I found through those times is, uh, and, and it's similar to, to what we're going through now, I guess, is uh, you, you got to trust the process. Um, and and as, if you're putting in the work, and I always used to tell, my, like, tell myself and, and tell my players that you know, if, we, if we put in the work from Monday to Saturday and then we go out on Sunday and lose, well, we've done everything we could. But if, if you weren't putting in that work, then, then that's, that's where you you know, you'd kick yourself or say, hey, that's not good enough because, you know, you took a shortcut through the week. But if you worry about, or you can worry about uh, the things in your control. Um, and sometimes I find, you know, we tend to worry about the things out of our control. Um, you know, there's outside noise, especially with footy, you know, there's there's media pressure, there's you know, pressure from fans and sponsors and all those sorts of things. And, um, you know, you find yourself reading about it in the newspaper every day and, and it starts to become a distraction. And, uh, for me, um, I always used to tell myself that you know, just to focus on the things I can control. And if I if I'm if I'm busting my ass from Monday all all the way through the week, and I go out on the field knowing I've done everything I could to to perform at the best of my ability on the weekend, well then I, I can have no regret. And uh, that's something that I try to to live by through my career. Rob, you hear all the time about teams that have you know have been really successful like 2005 when you guys run the grand final and the culture of melbourne storm um you hear that that word culture comes up all the time how important do you think it is to have good culture in a footy team and how do you get that yeah you, you yeah cultures cultures formed over time mate um everyone everyone's striving for it and 
Um, it doesn't come easy. Uh, you talk about, um, as I said, habits there that you're forming day in, day out, preparation, all those things. That's where culture comes from. Um, it's the things you do uh, when no one's looking. I guess it's, it's always easier to take a shortcut um, when no one's looking, but it's the standards you hold yourself to day in, day out. And, um, and that's, that's built up over time. It, it, uh, yeah, you talk about, you know, with, with footy, when you go out onto the footy field, um, you need to trust your teammate um, and, and trust, trust and, and that respect is earned. You know, you, you don't just, you know, if Smalley, if Smalley came into the side, you know, the next week, you wouldn't, you wouldn't trust him straight away. You know, you, he'd have to, he'd have to do the actions day in, day out for him to gain and earn that trust. And, and that's built up over time. And that's where culture comes from. Um, you know, I, I find these days, everyone thinks they're a professional athlete, but they're not really that professional. Um, you know, and. What do you mean by that? Oh, because, you know, they, they go out on the weekend and they might, they might play well on, you know, one week and then the next week they won't play so well. Um, and then they'll play two good games in a row, but then they'll play three poor games. And that inconsistency comes from your actions day in, day out. If you're not consistent day in, day out of training with the way you prepare, I spoke about preparation before, um, you know, I, I always found, you know, with guys that prepared well, you know, their worst game might be a seven and their best game will be a nine out of 10. But the guys that didn't, the guys that had the talent, and they'd rely on that talent. And, and one week they'd train well, next week they'd train crap. You know, their best game would be a nine, but their worst game would be a four, mm. you know? So, and for me, culture, You can sort of see those guys on the field without even knowing them, the guys that have yeah. poor attitudes, yeah. Yeah, and, and I, you can. You, you, you can see them and, you know, I've, I've played with lots of those guys and um, and un- unfortunately, like, um, that's, that's where, you know, that's where culture comes from. Culture is those guys that are willing to do you know, the things they don't want to do day in, day out, you know, whether the coach is watching, whether their teammates are watching or not, it's that preparation and that consistency in their preparation. And that's where culture comes from. And that's built up over time. Yeah. It's great. Uh, great to hear that from your perspective as an athlete, culture is a central theme here on the electricians co-op. We talk about it all the time and particularly on the paid version of our podcast as well, where business owners are looking for more information and getting, uh, getting to their targets a little bit quicker. Culture is the key to it. All right. Last question for this segment, Robbie, if somebody's listening to this and they're a parent and they've got some kids in their life that want to be professional athletes and want to be, NRL players, what would you say to those parents to encourage them? Work hard. <laughs> Didn't I say that before? Yeah. Come on, come on. You got something else. Give me something else. Nah, honestly, it, it all comes down to, to hard work. And, um, you know, I, I was upset. I was, I was obsessed. You know, you, you got, you got to be obsessed. It's got to be the number one thing in your life. Um, you know, for me, every decision I made as a, as a teenager was revolved around, you know, is this good for my football? Um, so it, it does, mate. It comes it comes down to hard work and and obsession, and that's that's the only piece of advice I can give. So who and taught you that, Robbie? That? Though who taught? Did your parents teach you that how to be like that, or is that just something you picked up along the way? No, it was just something you picked up along. Like, as I said, mate, it was it was. Um, you just loved it as well. I just loved it. Yeah, I just mm. loved it, and it was my dream. And I just this is what I wanted to do, you know. And I had it in my mind from a very young age that's, that that's what I wanted to do. And and obviously, I had a bit of talent. Um, yeah, you do need a bit of talent, but through that hard work, it allows you to develop that talent. Yeah, nice one. Well talent, said. Talent's free. Hard, and the talent just you know it's wasted. Yeah, good stuff. All right, let's take a little break. 
Well, if you like what you're hearing on the Electricians Co-op today and you want to take it up a notch, then Jamie and I have got a premium version of the Electricians Co-op podcast. Over on the premium show, Jamie and I interview other electrical business owners and we find out what makes them tick. We also interview the people and the experts that will help you to grow your electrical business and help you to accelerate your career as an electrician. Come on over and check it out for free at theelectriciansco-op.com forward slash interviews. Robbie, this is a segment of the show. Rob likes to call it rapid fire questions. Rapid fire questions. A little bit of fun here to close out the show for us. You can take over if you want, Rob. No, um, it's just a few questions that we ask and just uh, first thing that pops in your mind, you can elaborate if you want. But this is the last section, so do your best. You can start, Rob. Describe what winning means to you in one word, Robbie. One word. Um, Just uh, success. Success, yeah. Nice one. I can't, I can't elaborate on that, can I? It's just no, you're not. No, you only no, need one word. That's the best. Yeah. <laughs> How important is it to write down your goals, Robbie? Uh, most. Most important. Most, yeah. Biggest, biggest thing I've learned. To yeah. actually write them down physically. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Down. Okay. So yeah. They're there, and you can read them every day. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Hey, uh, what's the what's the worst? Maybe I can like adjust this question. What's the worst thing you've ever heard? Jamie say in a locker room. Oh God, that's so big. <laughs> <laughs> it's a loaded question. It's all right. <laughs> uh, hey, Rob, what's the favorite thing about being in your post NRL career? Oh, uh, freedom. Yeah, freedom. I just I spoke about you know, through my career and yeah, your whole life revolves around footy. Uh, just to wake up in the morning and, and being able to make my own choices about what I want to do. <laughs> You don't you have did to that be anyway, somewhere. training, didn't you? <laughs> uh, when, I, when I had the gold card. Uh, <laughs> hey, what was the last kind deed that you did for somebody? Oh, I actually, um, this was just a couple of days ago. Actually, I found someone's license um, just on the on the bay walk near my house. So I picked it up and uh, dropped it off at their house. Gave it back to them. <laughs> Very nice. Very kind. It? Oh, come <laughs> on. You didn't have to do that. That was nice. That's kind. <laughs> hey, Rob, what's your superpower? What's that? You wouldn't have done it. <laughs> I would have kicked it in the water. You would have flicked it in the water. You <laughs> would have sent an invoice. <laughs> hey, Rob, what's uh, your superpower in your life? And my superpower is probably my competitiveness. Yeah. Yeah, nice one. Uh, de- definitely uh, my competitiveness. Well, if you could have a superpower, what would that be? Oh, time travel. Oh, would you go forward or back? No, I'd go back. Oh, you go Ah, oh, he's reminiscing. Oh, five with the... <laughs> Grand final cup. <laughs> Reliving past glories. I love it. Good hey, stuff. Rob, what's the craziest thing you've ever done? Oh, can I even say this on here? I don't know. What's the, <laughs> you know, small, I'm, I'm quite a responsible person. <laughs> I thought you might struggle with this one. <laughs> there it was right there. He was saying it out loud. <laughs> oh, it probably happened on end of season trip up to the Gold Coast with Smalley. Oh, yeah, what was that? <laughs> Uh, I don't know. You can you can tell the story. All right, next one. All right. What's a uh, what's a skill that you're working on right now that you haven't quite mastered yet? Oh, golf. My golf game. Terrible. I uh, I'm I'm known for breaking a few clubs. <laughs> uh, frustration gets the better of me. I did that the other day with tennis as well. Actually, broke a racket. Oh, you had a little I tennis tantrum. <laughs> tantrum. Yeah, I got a bit of a tantrum in me. I get I get real shitty with myself if I play crap. So. Uh, but yeah, nah, golf. I bought a new set of clubs though, so I, I can't break these ones. They're expensive. 
spent a fair bit of money on it, but I haven't improved my game at all. <laughs> all right, finally, Rob, what's the best piece of advice you've ever been given? Uh, the difference between the ordinary and the extraordinary is a little bit extra. Oh, yeah, I love it. Love it. Good stuff. All right, let's uh, take a quick break and close this one out. Well, gents, that was a uh, a bit of fun in an otherwise annoying COVID Sydney lockdown that we're all facing. Thank you so much, Robbie, for coming on and, and just sharing a little bit of your insights and sharing a bit of your history with us as well. It's great to hear it directly from you, and it's an absolute pleasure to talk to you here on the show today. Thank you so much, mate. Nah, pleasure, boys. Thanks for coming on, Rob. Robbie, if people wanted to connect with you, what would be the best way? Do you have like an Instagram or a Facebook page or what would be the best way to connect with you? Yeah, I've got my, my social media. Obviously, Instagram, just at Robbie Farah. Um, I'm on LinkedIn as well and uh, Twitter. So they're all just um, just my name, at Robbie Farah. So. Very nice. And what about the event company? Give that give that a plug for us as well. What's the website? Yeah, so it's uh, 247.com.au. So it's um, TWO, the word, the number four, and then the word seven.com.au. So, uh, you know, we you know, pre-COVID, mate, our last trip, we took 30-odd clients to Miami for the Super Bowl. Wow. Uh, um, yeah, we do all the, um, you know, the American sports, European sports, you know, state of origins and all that stuff here. So, you know, if you guys are wanting to entertain any of your clients or uh, any of your employees and that, we'll, you know, we make those trips a possibility. So, hopefully, once this world opens back up again, uh, we can get on a plane and, and start travelling and get out to these uh, awesome events around the world. And you're doing that with Joy AU, aren't you? I am, yeah. So Joy and I are business partners in that. We started that up about five years ago, and um, it's gone from it was going from strength to strength. Uh, obviously, COVID's been quite challenging, but yeah, we're confident that um, you know we can we can uh, get things back going back to normal. You know, once the world opens back up. Well done, Rob. Sounds fantastic. And what about but, you, Rob? Well. As always, just the Instagrams, yeah. Rob.Russ77, ticking along nicely there. Or at the Electricians Co-op on Instagram as well. We'd love to hear from you, Jamie. Um, at Instagram, uh, Pro Image Electrical, you can get me on there. So um, heaps of people have been messaging me regarding the co-op and a few other questions regarding business and that. So if anyone's got any questions or need to give me a call because they need some a bit of a pump up, give me a call. Yeah, absolutely. And we're going to be kicking off the YouTube channel in the next week or so. We've got a whole lot of idiot videos that came back to us and they've been edited. So we'll get those live and we've got a bunch of things happening with Clipsal yeah. coming up in the next few weeks. We've almost got a, I don't know, is it like a show? Is it a something happening yeah, there? I don't we're, know what's happening. We're going to be on camera. Gonna, you're going to have to do these we're gonna, as... We're getting a TV show or something, I think, Rob. So. Yeah, you're going to have to do these as like live takes or something like that. No <laughs> reading aloud. You're just going to have to ad lib your way I'm all the way through. I'm a reader anyway. It'll be fun, man. Don't worry. You won't, won't need to read it. It'll be good. Yeah, looking forward to it, man. All right, gentlemen, let's wrap this one up. Thanks so much, Robbie, for yeah, coming thanks, on, mate. Robbie. Thanks, Have a Rob. great afternoon. See you soon, boys. See Bye. you, boys. Bye. Bye. No.